You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Uh, I'm not counting shows again, Matt, because I already figured out what offseason show this is, but we're doing the offseason together. <laughs> Number two or three, I'm guessing, right? Something like that. It's the late January version. Let's just call it that. That's late January. MWR.com's website, if you're wondering who these guys are rambling, we need to get it out of the way early. Um, quick question for you. We did not discuss this before, but I know you are a subscriber to Split Zone Duo. Yes. Did you hear what team are doing next? They're doing the Wyoming Cowboys. So you did listen to the show already about announcing that. So, yeah, so that'll be a fun one. So I'll give them a point. Go give them five bucks and listen to all the podcasts. It's amazing. It's good yes. stuff. They make good points about the Rose Bowl being stupid or brilliant as well. If you heard that one about where the Rose Bowl should be, any bowl could be the Rose Bowl if you think about it for how they have it set up. But we're talking about with football coaches, news, coaches changing. Um, we will definitely get to the why portion of the program because I have thoughts. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, listen to or at least read our buddy Scott stuff about that, whatever the heck press conference that was? I got to follow it a little bit on social media. I hadn't had much time to dive into it a little more than that. So I listened to it. It's a complete mess. We'll talk about it later. But also, it's hard. Well, 
when they try to soften you up with opening statement about Robert Kekalula, you know things are not going well. Yeah. I don't think he would have been too happy about what you're doing. What now? What's going on? So we'll get that later. But first, some coaching changes. I, the only there hasn't been a ton throughout the conference. A little bit here or there throughout throughout the league. Besides, obviously, why other major coaching changes. But first, when you talk about Air Force, who the defensive coordinator is no longer in town, and it's funny because. How long was he? How long were, were the DC? Like three years, four years? He was, years? The D, he was the DC for the last four seasons. He was with Air Force as a part of the staff for the last 14 seasons. It should be noted before they made like, a couple years ago, we're, we're doing one of our shows during the offseason, like our team previews. And this is right around media day. We're like, who? We're previewing the Falcons. Like, who's our defense coordinator? There's nobody on staff. And it was yeah. literally like two days before media day or day before. And we're like, yeah, they're just being stupid to keep it secrets because, you know, the military. Apparently, we somehow stumbled across the story before it even came to be yeah. <laughs> before. Where it was like, well, I don't have to name anybody as my defensive coordinator, Troy Calhoun says, as a whatever with the Falcon on his shoulder saying, look at me. But <laughs> they, so they made some change on staff. So they a couple of things they have. Uh, oh, wait, did we mention who the DC was who left town? John, John Radzinski. Pa- apologies, John Radzinski. And he, um, so he left. So they bring in, so he's gone. Which is a deserved move for him because the defense has been, you know, pretty good the past couple of years. Oh yes, they've had all conference players. Even the year, the mo- the biggest year, I guess we'll say, Matt is when they're all the turnbacks, and they were still pretty good in twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, if you look, at, I mean, obviously you, they've tended to have pretty stout defenses more often than not out there in Colorado Springs. But like when you focus on those last four years in particular. You know, you you see that he, you know, his promotion had a, a pretty significant impact on their overall level of performance. You know, we like to talk about, or rather, maybe I like to talk about, you know, points per drive allowed in terms of you know, defensive performance. And over the last three years, you know, the Falcons were a top fifty team, you know, by available yards percentage allowed uh, over the last four seasons. So basically, from the start of his tenure to you know this this uh, most recent season that just wrapped up they improved every single year by that measure over the last four seasons. And so you know, I think, you know, they have a tendency to promote from within. And so I, I have a feeling that, you know, even if it takes them a while to unveil who the next DC mm. is going to be, he's probably already on staff, but it is a pretty substantial loss. I would say just because, you know, for as, as steady as they have been more often than not, they've, they haven't always hit those same kinds of heights that they have over the last couple of years. Like, and I'm thinking particularly of like, you know, the, the 2019 season where they were a top 25 mm-hmm. team at the end of the year. And this last year where they won 10 games and, you know, in terms of total defense, which isn't always the most accurate measure of things, you know, they were number four nationally, which is not nothing. You know, I, I and of course, you know, per play tends to be a little more of an accurate mm-hmm. assessment of, of the coach's overall performance, but you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do to replace them. I don't think that that much is going to change in terms of like, you know, whatever defensive system comes in. I think they're still going to run the three, four, you know, more often than not as kind of their base. Um, But, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it works for him at Virginia too, which is where he left because one of the, I forget who pointed it out on Twitter, but one of the things that is going to be very different about the ACC relative to his experience working as part of the Falcons team is 
in large part, you know, the defense was able to benefit from a really deliberate offensive tempo. So they weren't always on the field as often. It's yeah. like, you know, and, and if you watch, if you watched any Virginia football at all this year, and, and maybe things will change a little bit with Bronco, uh, Bronco Mendenhall's replacement out there in, in Charlottesville, but they were a very high octane offense, but the defense was iffy. Oh and yeah. I, I watched when they played feeling... BYU. It was, I think a hundred total points. And they also returned Brendan Armstrong back as one of, before he got hurt in that BYU game, he was literally one of the best quarter top five QB in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how his expertise translates to an entirely new environment. Um, but, I, but I think conversely, you know, you might think, oh, well, losing a coordinator at this time of the year might be really damaging. That is probably less the case for, for a program like Air Force than it might be for literally any other team in the country, I would say. Could be. They also has Kermo, Kermo Cox, DB yeah. coach, also going to Virginia, too. So a couple of guys are out there. Joining Tony Elliott, who comes over from um, Clemson. Mm-hmm. So he'll be still a lot of offense because that's what he was. The, was he co-OC, I think, or something? I believe Whatever. so. He's a, one of the high OCs, like in-demand coaches. And it's kind of a – not to go too much left turn here, but that's kind of an interesting move. He would go to UVA for Clemson. you think he could hold out for a better job. But whatever. It's – Maybe there's more ties to program to that area of the country. It's not too far from where where's Clemson located? I guess it's Clemson actual city in South Carolina. It where is, the university yeah. is. Okay. I was like, wait, is that because you know sometimes that is. So it's not too far away, same part of the country, but they brought two Air Force guys over there. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, you're right. Like who they promoted. It's like it's not gonna change the system because Calhoun. Do you recall was he okay? I probably know this, but he was an offensive coach in NFL, right? I believe so, yeah. That's what I think. So, so he was with the Bills, I think the Texans for a hot minute too. But they did bring in, as far as we know, for incoming uh, coaching talent, they did bring in uh, to coach linebacker. They actually, uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say they coach linebackers, but we don't know that. Former linebacker, uh, Ken Lemidola, coming to join the staff, of course, aptly from Troy Calhoun, a defensive assistant coach. <laughs> because why tell anybody anything? Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he might take over. Not defensive coordinator, but probably like a uh, maybe like DB coach or something along those lines. Yeah. Or it's like a, a obviously assistant, but half kidding because Calhoun doesn't like to say anything they doesn't have to. So they bring him in. So that's a couple to fill one of the staff. So who knows? Um, and then obviously it's um, oh shoot, my screen went crazy. Um, never mind. I was gonna say something stupid, but like you're right. Like the scheme's gonna stay the same. And for the Falcons, outside of a couple of years, like Troy Calhoun's been here forever. They've had very few non-bowl eligible seasons. And only that one year, a couple years ago, where they won what like a couple games. They're always, we know what you're gonna get. The offense is gonna be great. Defense, honestly, hit or miss for the most part. But when it's at its peak, it can be really, really good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing they'll take a step back or two just because it's a little bit, not a lot, but new coach. Guys are moving on after a couple years of um from 2020 and 2021, stuff like that. It'll still be pretty good but i don't think it'll be what it was past couple years Mm -hmm. because it just makes sense right yeah we can go with that (laughs) okay i I don't am i wrong do you have anything that hesitant of the response there are you like oh that's probably about right new coach players leave you won't be no but i am interested (laughs) you know because if you look at sort of like the remaining defensive staff and and i don't think there have been any other departures besides Rizinski and cox 
yeah, I really am interested to see who might have the inside track if the plan is to just promote from within the existing staff. Like, would you go with someone like Brian Knorr, you know, who handles both specialists and inside linebackers? Do you go with someone like Alex Means, who handles the outside linebackers? Or, 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 like I, or, or someone like Bill Sheridan, who does the defensive line. I think each of those guys brings something a little bit different to the table. So I'm, re- I'm really interested to see how that unfolds. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Because like you said, they keep it secret. There's a, the staff has been like they don't lose too many. De- departures are kind of not rare, but they're not as common, I guess, with Air Force. Mm-hmm. Just be, Especially – offensive coach because it's so unique of the scheme like what um not to be rude but if you're the quarterback coach at air force are you really going to get a better quarterback coach job somewhere else mm-hmm. <laughs> just saying like so but defense is more of a traditional style yeah um, out there so it, is, yeah, it is worth keeping in mind too that sheridan does have past dc experience too like mm-hmm. most recently he was the dc and the linebackers coach at boston college which was where he was before you know, coming to Air Force, but the, you know, before that, he's had DC experience in the NFL as well. Well, so is Brian Knorr also. That could be a possibility because he was yeah. at uh, Wake Forest, Indiana, Ohio. So they have enough guys on there to. Here, you're also it's inside linebackers and defense coordinator. They did they do code DCs a couple years ago? Was that I, them? Something yeah, I believe that, so. I think so. I could see that being a possibility as well, and then bringing in because they still have one open coaching position to maybe. Coach, like let's say they take both linebackers coach and they're a co-DC. Maybe those guys, the other person will kind of coach defensive line linebackers or kind of a two-position type coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he could be the co-inside and outside linebackers coach or something. Or just give them the linebackers coaching job. Those other guys are technically inside-outside, so I don't know. But uh, they, I think this talent they have on staff is good. Is It's good because they've had the other experience other places as well. So it's not like, oh, let's bring in a new guy to run a defense who's ever done it. So Exactly. I think they'll be okay. It's not a problem. It's just kind of it's a yeah, it's a notable loss for them after a couple of years of being really good defense, and it's a it's a good promotion for him to move on. So more interestingly, though, yeah, Boise State has um, <clears throat> multiple coaches, lead, four coaches in total as of what do we say? January twenty. We were recording 22nd, January twenty third. Twenty third. All right, and two at least two of them said, "I'm going to go um, hang out with my family a bit more," mm-hmm. which. Nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of uh, like you mentioned before we started, they're sporadically leaving and they're not te- really going for a new job. One of them, I forget which one it said. Stacy Collins. Like, was it Collins who has a family out oh, across the West Coast? She has like a couple of kids live in different parts of the country, I think. Seattle oh, no, no. And- Stacy Collins was the one that got hired at Penn State. Oh, hired. Oh, sorry. But there's one who's something about kids getting to high school and they don't live in the same city as him. So he wanted to kind of go do stuff. I forget which one it was. Wanted to go be able to do more things with them as a father, mm-hmm. which is great. And But it just seems just having more than one leave for that same reason. I was like, when I first, I'm like, is there? Because usually I'm going to spend more time for my family's code for something else, usually. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case here. But it's just, it's just seen more than one. It's like, okay. But so I think I have it all here because my computer crashed beforehand. So you mentioned Stacey Collins has gone to Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Jaron Johnson, who was the um, stepping down from coaching staff. He's, um, let's see, blah, blah, blah. He was the – He was uh, the cornerbacks coach. Quarterback, yeah, because he played in the NFL for him. Quarterbacks coach, yeah. 07 to 10, part of Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. That's what it was, yeah. And so it was just his first year as an assistant coach. So maybe it wasn't for him. So because that could be guys like, oh, coach, this would be great. 
And that's a pretty big job to be your first coaching gig out of playing football. Mm-hmm. Almost, however, conversely, Josh, McD- Josh McCown might be the head coach of the Texans. Zero coaching experience outside of volunteer high school. So I'm so pumped if that happens. I'm, I'm sure that'll work out great. Oh, of course. They hired David Coley for a known one and done type of deal. Oh, I'm like, that's a complete dumpster. But maybe, maybe for Johnson, it wasn't. Because college football, like I mentioned before, you can be paid handsomely if you're a high-level OCDC or a head coach. Mm-hmm. If you're not an underling, but like a position coach and you're recruiting, like I, you have to be a special person to be a grind to go out there and recruit. Now do, deal with the transfer portal. Now deal with NIL, just another layer of something to do that it's not a ton of coaching football if you like football. It's a lot of, uh, am I wrong to say a lot of administrative stuff if you're coaching football at any level and F, FCS, FBS? I mean, I'm not, I'm not personally a coach, but I know that there's a lot more that goes into it beyond simply what happens on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it maybe it's just the lifestyle may not be for him because if you're a quarterback coach, but you're probably making decent money. Like if you're a Boise State, I would guess just over six figures, somewhere around there, like maybe mm-hmm. 200000 maybe, maybe. I don't know. Decent, good money, but for all we got to do, it's uh, you got to love football. So he stepped down, which that's a big loss because NFL experience, Super Bowl experience, that's a, that's a big deal to lose him. And then they also lose, let me go through here. You mentioned Jason Collins. Um, they bring in, well, I'll talk about him momentarily. I'm sorry, I'm going through my list. Do you have the list? Because my list, as I told you, crashed before. Yeah, so so who else Ken, they lose? Kent Riddle. Oh, Riddle, okay, that's next guy. Yeah, he stepped out as well. Winston Venable, the running backs coach. Ah, that's the other one, yes. Okay. And yeah, and that, I think those are the four. So Collins, the four. Collins, Johnson, Riddle, and Venable. And so if I'm correct in my information here, they've hired three of the four replacements, correct? I believe so. Yeah. I don't think they hired a replacement for or have they re- replaced Riddle? Because they replaced it with Nate Potter, right? Nate Potter, yeah, tight ends coach. So then, yeah, is, I think uh, they've I think they have replacements for all four guys then. So Nate Potter's a pretty big deal. Tight ends coach, running game coordinator, which he is an all-American at Boise State mm-hmm. at some point in his career. Really, really good. So he um Let's see, Hall of Fame 2018. Spent three seasons at Montana, Montana State recently, so that's a pretty good uh, FCS program. Went to the title game this past year, so that's obviously a huge a huge move for them. They bring in uh, Kelly Papinga, who went to uh, play to BYU, coach at BYU, coach of Virginia, and when Bronco Mendenhall set me down, he came over to be special teams coordinator, co, and edge defensive coach. So he's mm-hmm. a – I remember watching him play and stuff. He's – I know I've – I know his brother Brady a bit more who played in the NFL just from stuff I work with and been on the radio shows I work on is um, they're, they're characters. I'll just say that Brady's yeah. really a character. If you ever see him on Twitter, he has some, um, he has some takes out there, huh. which are good and uh, weird. One cool note about him, because he also is fluent in Spanish for the, for at least for a couple of years, he was the Fox sports radio, like uh, analyst for the Spanish broadcast. So that's pretty interesting. Cool. So, yeah, because I think he's a LDS, so he went on a mission to speak Spanish, to learn Spanish, whatever country he went to, Spanish-speaking. And so it's a pretty cool gig to get, you know what I mean? Like, hey, get to practice yeah. your language you learned, and you get to be on a pretty big stage. So, But he was at Virginia for 2017, 2019, uh, BYU for a while. So he comes back kind of to the area where he's been from. So that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, wait, was there one more coach? I, oh, yeah, Demario Warren. Warren, is CB's coach. Well, you forgot about Keith uh, Bonifa too. Oh, sorry. Well, he's, Keith, he's replacing what, what, Venable as the running backs coach. Oh, apologies. But I did not he, have. But he, that, that he of, but and Papinga are also handling special teams as well. Yeah, they're co-special teams coach. Yes. So Warren, what's interesting about him? He this I love this hire. So we're talking about the DMs. He was at Southern Utah for 14 years, 
Final six, which is a weird move because he was six years as their head coach coming to be, to be a quarterback's coach. And so is that kind of weird? Is that, does that like seem like a better move, like an increased move, a better job? I don't – this is not a sma- – like to talk smack about Boise State, but if you're a head coach at a successful FCS program at the Big Sky – and he sent defensive backs to the NFL, I think, two in the past, like, five or six years. Maybe, but at the same time, maybe not. Because, you know, they, he did get them to the second round of the, the FCS playoffs back in 2017. Yeah. But then Southern Utah cratered pretty hard after that. Like, you know, yeah. it, it include, and yeah, obviously there was the COVID year in 2020. Um, but there were three seasons in the last four where Thunderbirds won exactly one game. Yeah, so maybe it's right in the wall. So you might not be around much longer. I'm like, yeah, take a job you can get. Yeah, and so and but I also think that you know, based off of his previous experience, before he was a head coach at Southern Utah, he was the DC for a couple of years, and before that, Mm -hmm. he was the DB coach. And so this could just be you know, rather than trying to seek out maybe a coordinator position somewhere else, you know, maybe he thought that you know, coming in and being part of what has traditionally been a pretty strong program that seems to have a, a, a pretty steady you know head on NFL guys yeah. shoulders and someone like Andy Avalos that you know maybe it's not quite the glamorous position that you would have expected someone like him to make after after getting let go of being a head coach but you know there are far worse places you could end up than as a, oh, as for a position sure. coach at Boise State well think of it too why I think it's a great hire he's been like his coaching uh, expertise now is more narrowed as a, mm-hmm. as a CB coach. Yeah. But he also has, I don't care if you're head coach at any level, like Andy Alvarez has only been a head coach for one year. Mm-hmm. So why not talk to him like, Hey, what did you do at Southern Utah? What's this for your head coaching thing where it's, yes, it's different experience from level of play competition, even travel and other type of things. Like what did you do on game day or this? It could be something where him being head coach for yes, at a lower level school, but still big sky is pretty good. Really good. It could just be a different expertise of being a head coach somewhere else. And there just could be different points. If you're like, oh, I never thought about doing this way. Mm-hmm. And it could be just kind of a more seasoned person to, what do you think about this? You were a head coach. What did you do here in this situation? So that that's why I think it's a pretty good guy to get a head coach at a at a good conference, at a program that where he did reasonably well or above average to come in town. So exactly. I like that quite a bit. So is it time for the Hawaii stuff? Because I'm ready to go, man. I guess Let's do it. It's, Let's do oh, it. So if you haven't heard, Hawaii likes to, um, like how Reddit CFB put it, Hawaii football is doing two things, making late night Friday night, late night weekend football matter again because of the time change yeah. of their stuff. And then also just basically dominating college football past a couple weeks. They're basically putting one week or three months worth of drama into two weekends. So last time we spoke, it was Todd Graham stepping down and we brought up and you kind of turned me around like, hey, Timmy Ching and June Jones did some sort of package deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, June, like I, I, I it's kind of spot on with this a little bit. June Jones would, I felt, well, they haven't been coached a couple of years, bring Timmy Ching along, or like you mentioned, just burn it down and bring Timmy Ching to start over and let him deal with it. Yeah. That sort of happened at both ends. But um, if you haven't been listening, Matt, well, not you particularly because you're here, but Timmy Ching is head coach. However, there's drama with Dave Matlin and June Jones, which um, it's it's messy. Who do you believe? Okay, I guess before we get so here's what happened. Let me lay out the nuts and bolts, and then we'll get to everything. 
So Friday night, it was announced like multiple sources, like KHON, and then I don't know why, like Bruce Feldman, then our buddy Mark DeLucci, and other guys were like, hey, June Jones is not getting a head coaching job. We don't know why from KHON, and then it comes out to be, well, he was only offered a two-year deal and then also didn't technically have full reign over his staff. Yeah. And, and you're thinking, and then also, what's also weird, to, that's what it is. I'm not on the face, but that's like, why would you offer a coach two years, even if there's a plan in place? As June Jones came out on Twitter and through his agent Lee Steinberg and through video himself, basically said, nobody's going to come to play for us if the coach has gone in two years. Exactly. Like a five-year deal. And then Jones even flat out said, and I even brought this up too, give him a deal with like no buyouts. Like if I'm done, if like if you if I suck, you fire me, you got no extra money. If I'm great, look what I helped you do to your program. It's a, it was a win-win for Matlin. Everybody loved June Jones. Everybody knew the hire wouldn't be long-term. It'd be a couple years. Maybe go through the five-year contract because it's so good and then give Timmy Chang or whoever else more cloud and to figure it out as an OC because he's only been a receivers coach at Nevada and CSU for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. And then also, it's very unique. Matlin comes out with a press release moments later after the news broke. Well, here's what happened. Who looks who first? Who looks worse? Is Dave Matlin like just an idiot? Does he look beyond bad in this situation? He I, he has a way of kind of walking right into unforced errors. It seems like <laughs> we had the state senate hearing. We're like, what we're talking about budget? What what you want to talk about money and football? Yeah, that's why you're here, idiot. So what were your thoughts when he saw that stuff come out about the June Jones comment, the short contract, and then the statement he brought out where the succession plan wasn't aligned between the two? Well, I mean, I think objectively, and obviously I don't know what happened inside those conversations, but I am on You're not dumb. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I am more inclined to believe Jones's perspective than that of, of Matlin or anybody else in the Hawaii administration right now, mostly because the administration's credibility is kind of shot for the time being. Yeah. And the, so here's like, for those who aren't familiar with the wife a long time, like back in when Cole Brennan was there, there were stories about not having soap and locker room. And I put this in my article. I wrote like, there's been, we're typically part like parking was an issue. They couldn't park at their own facility without possibly either getting a ticket or having to pay to park during like workout and practice, like on their own campus where they practice at, they do not have access to park mm-hmm. for free, essentially, which not necessarily free. Maybe you have to buy your season-long or semester-long parking pass, whatever it may be. You That was not an option. And so, like, we want to bring, like, so and Jones has a right to bring, and that's why Jones left. He left because the, the school wasn't back in football, and the school is not back in football now. And he was a guy who would get wins, and I don't understand why they treated him so poorly. Because I think it's a big slap in the face. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I put one point. What do you think about this? Do you agree? Like, I put in there to take Matlin's point. Like, I was going, like, let me go. Let me take a side for just a minute. Where him going through, like, okay, we know you're not going to be here forever. But do you think the AD has, like, enough say to who this new – because if he's the AD, he's going to make the hire. Mm-hmm. So him saying, I want control over who gets hired on staff, that's weird but can't you also maybe agree with him a little bit? Well, if, I, if we're bringing the next head coach, I want that next head coach on staff now. Do no, you see, think there no, is? Here, here's the thing. Like, where, I'm just where, wondering. Where else do you hear of anything like that happening? Never. I mean, unless you're talking about like a general manager, 
on an NFL team, maybe. Yeah. But even then, like that doesn't happen that often. And I don't think Matlin has enough credibility. Again, I don't think Matlin has enough no. credibility to because he's, you know, you give him credit for the role of a hire, but you have to ding him just as much for the Todd Graham hire. <laughs> More. And so it's I don't understand where that impetus comes from to feel like you have to try to exert some measure of control to try to right the ship. Like if you know that you have someone who is proven capable of doing it, not just in, not just with Hawaii, but you know, he did it with SMU, you know, he did it, you know, in a couple of other places. This is a guy who knows how to turn things around. And, and I'm talking about June Jones in particular. So it's like, why in that case, would you not just play you know, Okay. Get out of the way one way or the other. And Jones wasn't demanding because also you mentioned, like, I think we talked about it fair last time. Like, Jones went from when he took over zero wins to nine wins. Mm-hmm. Sugar Bowl. Yeah, that schedule wasn't great with a couple FCS teams on there. But Heisman was Colbert, I believe, was the Heisman finalist. He was. He goes, goes to SMU, takes them to their first bowl game since the death penalty 25 years later in like two seasons. Mm-hmm. And Jones even said, I want a like no coach in the country would be of that mind to take a two or three year contract because luck because Matt was so gracious, Matt, so gracious to go from a two year to a three year deal potentially. Uh-huh. But Jones is Jones said, I will take no buyouts. I, if you fire me for whatever reason, if I it's basically it's my if I sneeze wrong, you can fire me, you don't owe me any money. Essentially, what he's getting at. Mm-hmm. If I say whatever, say something, I'm gone with no extra money paid out. And so I don't get. Or Mal, I get the AD makes a hire and stuff. And do you think I'm wrong? Is that a do you think it's fair for Malin to have the next coach on staff if that's their plan? Do you think that was too much power? I think if he, if they, it should become in a maybe kind of a collaboration perhaps between Jones and him. Like, hey, here's who should be the coach after I'm gone in two or six, two years, four years, or five years. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of decision making has to fall to one person. I don't know that there's a way to really collaborate where either side would be happy. But it's obvious to be Timmy Chang, right? <laughs> Is that the obvious yeah, guy yeah. who would have been anyways? <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? Did he want the only thing that could be brought up was like Stutzman coming back or Rolovich because those guys got fired because they didn't get their vaccination in Washington State and Hawaii is very being very prudent and and yeah, I don't think that, I don't think do. that was ever going to happen. I know, but I'm wondering if it did did Matlin want more of those guys? I don't think it would have ever happened. I know, but I'm just, I'm just wondering. I'm just, that's only one of the areas I could think about. Like they wanted that guy in and Jones is like, why? Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to, they can't, they can't come here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So ultimately Timmy Ching's a head coach, but before he was the coach, the press conference came out. Yeah. <laughs> Which if I, I guess a generic question, if you are a, uh, Let's go back to your general manager situation for an NFL team or whatever. And any team, typically, they have a lot of power. If Also, can we go back a second? Outside of maybe the Tennessee Butch Jones thing a couple years ago, like or who was it? Not Butch, Butch Jones. Um, Jeremy Pruitt. Who, Pruitt. Well, Pruitt's the coach. Was it Butch Jones who was hired for like 10 seconds? Oh, oh man, who was it? Remember, I don't remember. I, I got to look it up here as we go. But how much of a coaching search has been fought in the public like this, essentially. Press releases come out saying why we're not hiring a guy. And next to press conference, which, by the way, not posted by the athletic director who made a public statement about the situation. 
Well, I, I think it was Chris Benini at The Athletic who put it out there. He said, you know, he, and I, I don't know if it was an exact term that was used, but they were saying something to the effect of, we had to defend ourselves. And my first thought was, do you really have to do that? For, and for what? <laughs> from, from everything that Jones had said about the process. Oh, it was a Greg Sciotta thing, wasn't it? I think it was. Maybe it was. Yeah, something like that. It was just. But it was my, just, first, my yeah. first thought was like, why not? Okay, so so Jones kind of shoots from the hip and says something that you know maybe it maybe it wasn't like the the most ethical or proper thing to do. I mean, ethical. Is oh, sorry, it hurt your feelings. But it wasn't the pro- director. That's Mallory. what I'm saying. That's what Come I'm on. saying. Like, yeah. yeah, it wasn't maybe the the most polite thing that could have been done. But do do you really need to respond? Do you really need to? He's the guy on Twitter where it's like, I got to get after him. He said something mean about me. I got to, I got to get after him. I got to type something out. I got, Oh, here's a good zinger for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, because there was, I forget. Oh, shoot. I put in a tweet. <clears throat> Excuse me. I should mute myself. But the person, I need to find his name too. I don't have it up here, but the, the press conference came out. Like there's a, I forget. It's a guy from KHON or maybe his main account putting out a, not like a, a Hawaiian term for basically saying a piece of crap. Like they felt Jones treating them like garbage. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, our, your agent came out to this. You know what? I'd be, because here's the thing Jones has nothing to lose, right? He has literally nothing to lose in this situation. So why not go out there and be aggressive? And he had public backing. He had everything in his favor except for one guy who, who wanted to treat him like a one of a kind, one off type of coach that did not deserve the respect, even though the press conference itself. First off, like I mentioned before, they brought up Robert Kekalula, who passed passed away, was it two years ago, I believe, or at this time? It's been um, a little bit. Yeah. The If you don't know him, the colorful play-by-play guy or an analyst for, like, uh, Hawaii football. He's on ESPN for a while doing his late games on there, showing up on, on that network, but most recently Spectrum. But it was – bringing that up, it's like, oh, it's softened him up. But it wasn't even the freaking AD taking questions. They And then he started saying, oh – June Jones is the greatest coach ever we've ever had in Hawaii football. But then he, he brings out any little detail he could to say why we're not hiring him to be so petty. It's like the petty ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or getting divorced. Like I'm going to bring up every little thing, even if it's the most minute thing saying why he didn't get hired at Arizona state saying, we don't take it to program, but we don't blame him for leaving for a better job at SMU. We don't blame him. He was the best coach ever, but he did this little thing, this little thing. Like they, they were just steamrolling him. And to me, it seemed like they never wanted June Jones in the first place. That's why he got the crappy offer. It had the press had going because I I ought to do, I don't think I'm too far off by them saying they only interviewed him because of public pressure. I don't think they ever intended to hire him at all. Yeah, you probably look at right. the restrictions in retrospect. Do you think, yeah. Do you think that? No, I I don't know. Do you think that? I think that I don't think that's too far off. No, I don't think so how they treated him. It's like, here, come get a good job where you're getting a third of your pay. It's like, I had a job years ago where I was let go for, I still don't know why stupid reasons. <laughs> I was running the radio show and these two guys, I was, I told them like, Hey, is my last day. Like, what are you talking? They thought I was kidding. Like, what are you talking about? And it was the stupidest reason I got fired for producing the show. And the guy's like, cause before I was running the show it was the everyday show, whatever. And my other job was also covering BYU where basically go to practice, write a cup, write an article, a true week, football, basketball, whatever. The guy's like, well, you could still come on. You could still do this. And I'm thinking you are paying me three hours a week. Plus whenever there's practices and games, so it's only busy during the actual season. So really, really part-time. I'm like, no, 
And then months later, when that guy got fired or something, they tried to tell they tried to tell them that I quit the job. I'm like, that's not quitting. That's you getting rid of me and offering me a, a garbage other job in return. Yeah. That's what I feel this is like, where they had no intention and only interviewed him because it's the case of wanting June Jones back from everybody. But when June Jones and Lee Steinberg came out to say, here's what's offered, then it got heated. Yeah. And that press conference was totally kicking June Jones in the butt when he does not deserve any of that. Telling him he treated like crap, like the beat is only 30 minutes, a second meeting. If this guy, if Mallon had any courage, he would come up and say those things himself and not have some, it wasn't even like their SID. It was like some communication guy within the football program. Mm -hmm. It's like, have some respect to come out and say it yourself, man. You're preaching the choir right now. I'm just, I'm telling everybody else. That's how I feel. It's garbage. <laughs> like that's disrespectful to not, first of all, not owning your position of being the guy who's going to ultimately make the hire. And I just think it was completely messed, messed up, bungled as forcing. This is like the worst coaching search in decades. I can think of outside of what Greg Shano in Tennessee, unless you're like Texas and can't hire anybody, but no coaching job like to ever seen so publicly debated or out in the open by the AD, the coach, the agent, some whoever the guy who did the press conference was. And you know, it's also worst about this. You see guys who cover Hawaii football, they don't say a word about what's going on. It's like, what are you guys doing? All that, like certain people who cover Hawaii football, like, oh, I think they're hiring. Like there's one tweet, like, hey, they, they interviewed somebody who's, who's familiar with the program. Well, no crap. Every guy who's interviewed was former program guy. What are you talking about? Let's stop breaking news, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Any else want to add? Am I piling on too much to Dave Mountain and how they handle this? Or do I, need to I really, you know what? Honestly, I really don't have anything to add. Mostly Good. because, okay. mostly because, like you've basically taken all the words right out of my mouth. Okay, I'll, I'll let you have a turn here. What do you think? I of mean, Timmy I, mean I, I, I mean, I let me actually before we move on to that. I guess I would say I don't know if it was the worst coaching search ever. It was definitely one of the most fascinating coaching searches I've ever seen. It. What's worse? Like what? Was, I know Shiano think was bad. What else has been worse? Like. Out in the public, dirty laundry flying out there, kicking a guy, a legend. I don't know, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else. But, like, man, <sighs> man, that administration's got to get itself together. And, and, and th- also- thankfully, they did enough to land Ching. So, what do you think about him being the head coach? He's only been a receiver's coach. Not, well, sorry, not to say only, but he has not even coached offense outside of, I think, one year at like uh, some low level SCS school. He's been a wide receiver coach at Nevada, which is great. Big name. Was at one point the all-time leading passer in NCAA football. What are your thoughts on him being basically thrown to the fire? Well, um, I don't think he's necessarily alone in that regard. I mean, I think I put it out there because I think we were in sort of brief conversation with Daryl McBride, where I think what Timmy Chang represents is basically Hawaii's version of Brent Brennan. And I think mm-hmm. the, the upside for the Warriors is that, you know, not only is he someone who comes, comes from the program, he's a local guy, you know, he's a guy that everybody there likes, but, you know, he's had the benefit of working with some really, you know, up and coming coaching staffs, even, even as a position coach, you know, being able to sort of be, to work in the same offices every, every day with someone like Jane Orvell, I think is going to be an asset to him in the long run. But I'm, what I'm really interested in is what, you know, or rather how they choose to build because, you know, obviously as a player and, and, and I think this is true of like, you know, their most successful stretches from June Jones to Nick Rolovich that they have come part and parcel with the run and shoot offense. Mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah. So what I'm interested in, which we're probably not going to know until we start learning like who's coming in as position coaches and maybe especially as like, you know, an offensive coordinator hire. I think that might be like sort of the most telling sign, but I'm really interested to see whether they gravitate back towards the run and shoot or, you know, by virtue of his being around the air raid every day for five years, whether (laughs) they move in that direction or maybe find some happy medium where they're able to incorporate both. Because I think that's really going to go a long way towards deciding sort of how much of a rebound they have right away. But I am glad because he, he Chang got a five-year deal, right? I don't know if deals have been actually looking at I'm not sure. I'd I can't remember so, right? how long it was. But but you know, to reiterate what I said before uh, about June Jones, I'm I'm hoping that they just give him the opportunity, especially because they've had such a like a monster talent exodus. And, you know, even the late signing period is about a week, week and a half from now. It's going to be really difficult for him to pull in a lot of pieces, you know, before that deadline. And so there is a a possibility that they're looking at a real, like a year zero situation going into 2022. And if that's the case, then I think you just have to put the right pieces around him on the sidelines, experienced hands that know exactly what he wants to build there. And I think you have to give him the time to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, how much time will they allow him to? But I think, I think, but I think, but I think yeah. if, it, if it turns out anything like it did with Brennan and, and the Spartans, that, you know, yeah, it wasn't pretty that first year, but you could see them making improvements from year one to year two to year three before they you know, made the jump toward winning the, the, the Mountain West Championship. And so it's not inconceivable that Hawaii follows the same path. But the you know I think the patience is definitely going to be a, a a virtue maybe more so in this instance than it would have been um, in in a lot of others. Agree. I think um, they're going to be you know, the well. First of the offense, I think there's going to be a hybrid. You don't. I I don't think people. Do you think I don't think people care run and shoot or air raid. I think they just want Hawaii to sling the ball around. I don't think the distinction between those two type of offenses matter to people out there. They just want you to throw the ball. Because that's what you're known for. How, how you throw it, who cares? Throw it downfield. That's what I want to see. I want to see the ball chuck in the air, 40 yards deep, sideline catches, four verts and bad. You know what I mean? Like I think that's what people want to see. They just want the mm-hmm. ball thrown. I don't think they care if it's technically the run and shoot with your quarterback who does draw plays five wide. I think they just want to throw the ball. And Chang knows how to throw the ball. And it'll be literally learn, like I said, learning a lot. Year zero, year whatever. They – We'll get to our 2022 stuff in a minute, like our predictions we made, which were our staff put these in before we knew about the SWI situation. Mm-hmm. So they might be lower, but I'm not afraid to say that they might finish last in, in the West Division. Lost I mean, so much good. I'm just saying, right? Th- I mean, there's a lot to resolve between now and the beginning of spring ball, and there's, there's going to be even more to resolve between now and like fall camp in, in August. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean, so I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility, but. It, like I said, I think they need to find like their own version of like uh, like what what Danny Gonzalez did with Rocky Long, for example, in New Mexico, or mm-hmm. um, you know what Kevin McGiven has been able to do as the offensive coordinator for Brennan at San Jose State. Like I think you know hiring Chang is a is a very strong first step for the Warriors, but you know now comes the maybe the, the harder part of finding the right pieces to to build the program around him. And it'll be tough. Like it's going to be a long grind. 
It's not going to be yeah. a quick. I mean, especially because, you know, if they, and especially if they decide to go back towards the run and shoot, there, there are different. Yeah. It, and it, there are not that many coaches with that much experience in that offense, which sort of makes me wonder about like what kind of influences that, that offense in particular is it going to end up having? Because I think it would be easier for them to find people with backgrounds in the area than it might be to, to find people that are more familiar with the run and shoot. Yeah, also to consider his who does he know in the coaching profession? That's part of like who's uh, who's gonna bring in, who's gonna do what? Because he again was a uh, court or wide receiver wide receivers coach at Nevada. Obviously mm-hmm. went with Norvell for a minute up to CSU. Grad assistant with June Jones in 2012, and I guess he was a Jack a couple Jackson State and a couple other places. OC low level, but like who does he know to bring into? Can he hire Drew Jones as OC or quarterbacks coach? Is that possible? Is that on the table? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> probably, probably not. But point being, who does he know from his coaching pedigree or just guys on staff? Hey, come coach with me. So I that'll see. I think it's a fine hire. It'll just all I gotta say is be patient, man. That's all it is, right? Be patient. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, so we get to the rankings, 2022 power rankings. These were done right around the national title game. I was just late posting them. For the record, Hawaii was probably where they would be anyways. They are 11th out of 12. Mm-hmm. And this is before the Todd Graham debacle. So would you raise them up or lower them because of that move? Because they are one point behind UNLV for 10th. I mean, honestly, where they are now is probably – like I don't know if I would put them behind New Mexico. Because I think both both teams are sort of facing a similar situation, it, you know, maybe different challenges on the on the micro scale. In terms of like the macro scale, both teams still have a lot of work left to be done. And Lobo's lost Aaron De, Aaron Demos as well, which is like a huge deal. Yeah, he ended up at Washington today, I believe. Yeah. Or yesterday. Oh, Washington. Okay. Oh, I didn't see where he went. To. I knew he's gone. So we have. Do you remember how you voted, Dave? You're pulled in front of you at all? Ah, uh, you know what? I don't. But I remember I put Utah I, State first. I was going to get there because you are the one 
not sorry that's this is gonna sound very accusatory <laughs> you are of the mind of like hey you're the champ you should be there until something happens right yeah that's that's tend to have that that tends to be how i approach these sort of off-season preseason exercises so you put utah state one as did two other people they were number one overall mm-hmm. we're kind of bounce around here fresno state had seven first place votes and it was very tight so i actually put the exact point total yeah so they were separated the by five, one point right yeah, so it went Utah State, 136 points, three first-place votes. 135 Fresno, seven first-place votes. Fresno was more um, top uh, – no, actually, Utah State was more top heavy because there were some people who put Fresno like beyond six, I think, like kind of lower. Then Air Force with zero first-place votes at third. <laughs> I think they were basically fourth, second, third, and fourth votes. That's it. And then you have Boy- San Diego State with two first-place votes at 125. And then Boise State at 123. At fifth place. And there's a huge gap between the rest. Hmm. Can anybody that I, at this point top, who would you, well, okay. You put Utah state first because of respect. Do you, uh, do you think they're the best team going into next year? Or is it just the, like you, what you already mentioned? I mean, I think they and the Bulldogs on this is off the top of my head. Obviously we're going to talk about this more at length as the weeks come, but I think what, one thing that both the Aggies and the Bulldogs have in common is most of their questions are going to come on the defensive side of the ball and, and how they replace a lot of their departed pieces that are moving on to like the NFL, for example. Um, but I do think that based off of what they have coming back on offense, that, you know, relative to the other three teams in that top five, Air Force, San Diego State, and Boise State, I think you can feel good about their chances to hang around just because they're going to be so experienced on that side of the ball. No, that makes a hundred percent complete sense there. It's going to be one of it's we'll see what happens because you mentioned losses on defense, air force, obviously defensive coordinator gone. You have um, sitting state. There's guys like Cameron Thompson gone. Boise State didn't – I think Boise State had the group lost a fewest players. They've been very fortunate transfer portal to not lose many guys. But then again, they lose four coaches on staff. So it's like their losses are different compared to San Diego State, who Lucas Johnson's gone, Keegan Williams, Greg Bell. Fresno State didn't lose many people. They keep Drake Hayner. They keep uh, – oh, geez. Um, yeah, Jalen Cropper. Yes, I'm like, why am I spaced on the receiver? But they also have a new head coach, Jeff Tedford, back. Mm-hmm. So, who do you think out of that group is like is the uh, most had the most ability out of those five? Okay, so I know that I, I just mentioned Utah State and Fresno State in the same sentence, but I think the answer here is Air Force. You think so? Despite losing the defensive coordinator, because I think what Troy Calhoun did was you know he had maybe some of the more pressing questions of any team in the conference going into last year. And I think about like the offensive line, for example, having to replace two all-conference guys, and they, and they did that. And, and they had their best overall defensive performance maybe in the last five or six years. And so I don't think that, that replacing Rudzinski is going to be easy and replacing you know, a couple of guys who are moving on is going to be easy. But you, know, you look at what they have coming back. You know, Zeke Daniels is back. Um, Brad Roberts. Is Brad Roberts a junior? I thought he was a senior. Uh, I thought he was coming back. I, I can't remember that weird that COVID I thought he was coming back. Yeah, but you know, I think they have enough pieces that they have that they were able to sort of integrate on both sides of the ball. Whether it's like a, a Hawk Wimmer or an Everett Smalley on one side of the ball, or like a Cam Goff or Vince Sanford on the other, that 
you know, they're like they're they're hot, like they're their name brand, you might say. Like they they may not have anybody with like the name recognition of of a Jake Hayner or or Logan Bonner or something like that. But I think you know they what they sort of taught me is I, I maybe hedged a little too much for my own good when I was thinking about the Falcons last year. And I think that even if they might not be anybody's pick to be like the runaway favorite to win the Mountain Division or to win the, the Mountain West. I don't think there were, you would find a lot of people who would be willing to count them out either, that they would definitely, I think everybody is in sort of agreement that they're, they're going to be in the mix one way or another. Even yeah. if we don't, even if we don't have a clear fix on what their, what their ceiling is yet, I think they're, I don't, they, they probably have just as high a floor as, as a team like a Fresno state or a Utah state. They almost always do it. Like I mentioned before, except for like one or two years, they're mm-hmm. not very good. And even when they're not very good, they're usually close to balls, but they're always a pain in somebody's side. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a note here, a future show, what we should do out of these, because I think these top five teams are the clear, well, at this point, point in time, you never know what could happen. We could have a San Jose State situation again. And the Spartans, we'll get to them, because I think they could be a dark horse team at the moment where they're ranked and everything. Because I think this was put in before all the Hawaii transfers as well happened, mm-hmm. I think. But I think we could take like legit contenders. Let's include San Jose State. Like, like here's why or why not they could win. I think that's something we could do this offseason. Like, hey, Air Force is going to win because Hazeek Daniels or Troy Calhoun's awesome. Or Boise State win because Andy Avalos will figure it out. Hank Bachmeyer is an extra year. Or the simple, most simple answer for Boise State, George Lani is healthy, along with the offensive line not playing eight different lineups in 13 games. So I think that's something we could go through and do. But the teams have disability part. Like my question, my answer probably – it's the Air Force, maybe Fresno State, but then again, the coaching staff changed a ton. So it's like, what's, what do you favor in stability? Is it player stability or coaching stability? And who's coming in? Because Utah State got a former highly rated receiver from Alabama coming to town, and Logan Bonner's back. But then again, who's Devin Tompkins? And is Calvin Tyler Jr. going to be healthy? Like, what defensive player is going to be back and play well? So there's a lot of – I can make the case for, like, half these teams, like a lot – like there's a good reason the vote was as close. These teams, they, and it's funny too, Max. We know we how we always apparently love Boise State in their fifth in this ranking. They again, if George Lonnie's healthy, ready to go, Avalos figured it out. Why not? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think their biggest question is having to figure out who's going to replace Close Shakir's production. Yeah, but they only lost him, and that's it. Okay, only him, but they don't. That's like the, I believe that's the only receiver they lost of any value. That's true. And it's huge value. I'm not going to discount it. Like San Diego State, who's going to be – who's going to take place for Greg Bell? Keegan Williams is gone. He was the guy in the mix. They lose these guys. Who's going to take the place of Devin Tompkins, Utah State? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Boise State's biggest issue last year is, like you mentioned, the offensive line shuffling, which is – it's never a good sign for anybody. But it sort of, you know, handcuffed them in a way where when the running game wasn't effective, they had to put a lot on Hank Bachmeyer's plate which wasn't always a bad thing. Like he had his best year overall, just, and that, you know, despite getting dinged up and playing most of the year with injury. But I think, you know, if, if he has a clean slate of health, like we, we've seen what George Alani can do, like, you know, he came on strong late last year. And so I think you know, it's, it's easy to overlook that. Yeah. Boise still has like a lot of talent on both sides of the ball too. And, you know, JL Skinner's coming back. Um, you know, they brought in a couple of four-star recruits and a couple of impact transfers themselves. And so and they didn't it, lose much in the transfer portal either. Yeah. And so it's, it's, they're sort of in a position where like, you know, nobody's really thinking about them as being that top tier Mountain West team, 
but they might actually relish being able to play the role of, of sneaking up on people for a change or, 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 you know, reminding people that, you know, the Broncos are still very much a force to be reckoned with or however you want to frame that. Mm-hmm. My pick when all was first in a state, as with a lot of other people, mm-hmm. I, for me, it kind of leans upon Jeff Tedford being Jeff Tedford as he was a couple years ago. And if he's healthy and ready to go, I don't see why not. Cause that combination um, Hainer to Cropper can be one of the best in the country again. Jake, can I make it? We need to have some bold picture at some point. Can um, and Matt, you can laugh at me and say, don't say this at all. But with uh, the UC- UCLA victory last year, how Jake Hainer was basically injured and willed into victory over a pretty good UCLA team, end up being. Should Jake Hainer or can Jake Hainer be a legitimate or at least a uh, New York City invitee to the Heisman Trophy Trust finalist group? No. No? no. Oh, man. I tried to say, say maybe. Not even maybe. No? No. You're just too jaded that the award's not going to go to him. It's going to go to like uh, somebody else from Alabama. <laughs> no, I just, you know, that is an extremely high bar to clear. Like, you know, Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky broke all sorts of records this year and he didn't even get close. His biggest accomplishment was probably being on the Solid Verbal podcast at one point <laughs> to talk about everything. But that bowl game was very exciting. App State, Western Kentucky. Uh, like, but, yeah, what, what like, it, like, like, the, you know, the Bulldogs are, and, and this is true of any other team that would be a part of that conversation, like, they're going to have to go undefeated. And clearly. right now on January 23rd, I'm not prepared to say that any team in the Mountain West is going to go undefeated. You're telling me they're not going to walk into the Coliseum and beat Lincoln Riley on September 17th? If you're talking to me right now on January 23rd, I'm going to say no. Come on, man. Yes, they're not. They could, they could beat USC. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that could change between now and September. Because Caleb Williams technically is not at USC, even though he's going to totally be at USC. But right now, <laughs> I'm just saying it's a big ask. And, like, I, you know, it's hard to go undefeated. Let me rephrase this then, because based on the number, here's why I think there's a, a chance he could be in the conversation. Okay, he's a no, he's a known name right now, correct? Billy Zappi was not. He's a guy who I know you have a stupid build up if you're not from like a giant university, or whatever. Unless you do like what Alex Smith did at Utah, undefeated, unprecedented year. What like David Carr did, Derek Carlos type of guys. You had uh, mm-hmm. even um, like Cullen Moore and. Um, had to build up to get there essentially to be, to be even included. And you're not pulling a Randy Moss. It's very difficult. People know who Jake Hainer is. They know they beat UCLA. They know yeah. they're a good program. They, hey, Jeff Tedford's back. Hey, I know who Jeff Tedford is. He coached Cal, Marshawn Lynch, and Aaron Rodgers, and all these other guys. I think there's enough name recognition that if, he, if they do, they'll beat Cal Poly. They should beat Oregon State at home. If they go out and beat USC 34 to 17, you're not telling, and he throws three touchdown passes, you're not telling me he's going to be Heisman Buzz at that point. Well, I mean, he had Heisman buzz for about a week after the UCLA <laughs> game, and then they and then they lost to Hawaii. So, I I, I, don't know. I, I think there's a uh, like you say, non-zero chance. I mean, I mean, Heisman talk can flourish after after a good month, after a good September. But again, again, it is very hard to go undefeated. Is what he'll have to do. Let's say they like going four and zero non-conference play that non-conference slate. Is, not overly difficult. USC will see what they can be. I don't think Lincoln Riley would turn around in year one that quickly. But 4-0, I, I don't think I'm just being a homer. I, I don't think that's out of their own possibility. That's, there's a decent chance. Like, at least I'd give him a 60% chance going to feed in those four games. No, Problem is, that's way no, too high. They're not losing to Cal Poly. No. They're not losing to UConn. 
No. Oregon State's getting better. They're beating Oregon State. You give them no chance versus USC? I'm not saying I give them no chance, but I'm not giving them 60% chance to go 4-0 in non-conference play. That's outrageous. Do uh, <laughs> you think that's all right? Okay, fine. I Maybe I'm going too high. But point me, let's say they do it. because. But do you think, like, are you – I keep asking the same question. I want a different answer. I don't think it's unreal. Do you think it's unreal? Would you be overly surprised if they win all those games? Would that, like, knock your socks off that they go 4-0? Yes. Okay. Okay. We're talking different. We're different conversations. In so I, I think say- that I think that might just come down to me being a little more optimistic about USC in year one under Lincoln Riley than you. Could be possibly. I that's more more than likely the case. But let's just say they do it because I it's there's a chance. And to get in the to get in this Heisman run, you have to have that undefeated. Mm-hmm. After you, if they are four and zero, it's like hey, he's doing pretty good out west. You got to keep putting up like monster numbers because they're not going to pay attention. If you beat San Diego State, if you beat Hawaii, if you beat Nevada, you know what I mean? It's it's got to be like a huge season, undefeated plus a huge season. Exactly. So I don't know. I think there's a there's a there's a chance. I just I just like apparently I like your team more than you do. Let's, let's let's set the bar at winning offensive player of the year first. That's true. Uh, that's a fair point. Okay. I just put out there because I, I don't think I'm wrong with him being a no name and everything going well coming back that there's he will be discussed at some point as like a dark horse guy. I think I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay. So let's get to San Jose state really quick. They were okay. seventh in our pool. They bring in Elijah cooks, Justin Lockhart, Shavon Cordero, and they still have Nick. So we talked, or not, not Nick Sarko, excuse me, uh, McNash. We talked about it a bit last week in the transfer portal. I think they're a team that maybe won the portal we talked about. And with Brett Brennan there, they could be a team. I would not, this would not surprise me if they're in the running to win the West Division. Like they would be, obviously, I have them a step behind Fresno and San Diego State, but with the guys coming in and what Brennan has done, they're, I think that might be, they're going to be more 2020 than 2021, mm-hmm. somewhere in between. Like going eight and four wouldn't shock me too much. No, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think that the big question for them is, you know, I think better health at the quarterback position in particular. Yeah, that killed them. Yeah, and and maybe better performance along the offensive line, which, if I remember correctly, I know they're at least losing one guy on the offensive line in Jack Snyder, but I'm pretty sure he's not the only guy who they're going to have to replace. You know, it was, it, it was a very veteran group last year. And so I think, you know, obviously, you know, getting a guy like Cordero to come in and compete at the quarterback position is a big deal. You know, same thing with, you know, being able to replace you know, Isaiah Holiness and Andre Crump with Elijah Cushing and Justin Lockhart, but it's not going to mean anything if they can't protect the quarterback, which they did exceptionally well two years ago and not quite as well last year. And, and then they also weren't quite as adept at opening up running lanes consistently either. And so I think that is sort of the big question for them that I think is going to make or break whatever their ceiling could ultimately be. And also the defense wasn't up to par as what they were the year before too. Yeah. So we'll see all, all that. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't the elite players over there. But I do think they could be a sneaky good team if things fall the right way at the transfers they brought in. And I think Brett Brennan is one of the better coaches in the league. And so that's where he's put seven. Do you recall where he put them at all? I probably had them that maybe above CSU. I think that's about it. Yeah, I don't have mine in front of me right now, but I'm, I'm looking at the sort of the group vote. And the one thing that jumps out to me. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. What is it? You, why is UNLV behind both Wyoming and Nevada? So 
I don't know. It's a and the votes not terribly close because Wyatt forty two points eleven, UNLV forty three, Wyoming nine at fifty one, Nevada sixty. I think I'll take my best guess here. For Wyoming, I think it's because their defense, and I think Craig Bull gets a lot out of his talent on defense, and that can hold a lot of teams down. However, we don't know who their quarterback is. They lost obviously Levi Williams, Sean Chambers to Portal, Isaiah Nayer is now at Texas. Xavier Valadez at Arizona State. So they lost a lot of good talent. They bring in Andrew Peasley. Maybe he'll be the guy from Utah State. He played a little bit at the beginning of this past year, splitting time with um, with due to injuries there. Both um, Bonner and him were split time, but due to injuries or Coach Anderson trying to figure out who is who. I could, I, 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 I definitely put Wyoming ahead of UNLV. Nevada, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I'm sorry, people. I'm trying to think. They have new head coach, Ken Wilson, coming in from Oregon, former Nevada guy, coach defense of tackles, I think it was, at Oregon. Wasn't their D.C. Um, was he his D.C. or was he their defense line coach? I forget. Um, so many coaches changes. Do you recall? Yeah, I don't have that information in front of me. Okay. I don't recall. I'll look real quick. I'm just like, he coached defense, but I honestly don't know why Nevada's – like, who do they have coming back? They – Nate Cox, 6'9 QB, that'll be talked a million times. He's a tall quarterback. Look at this, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? There'll be that type of situation. They've Toa Tawa back, but they lost. Like, Don Peterson's gone. Guys in the portal. Half the team went to CSU. Do you have an explanation to why Nevada's higher than UNLV? I wonder if it's just that temptation to think of same old Rebels. But Rebels were eight. What did I put in there? Eight games, I think. Or no, six games of one possession? Mm-hmm. Losses? They're not going to lose all those every year. That's true. And I'm bit, which is not to say that they don't have their own big question to answer. Like, obviously, they're going to have to figure out a way to replace Charles Williams. You know, they're going to have not necessarily maybe open up the quarterback competition again, but they're going to have to hope for better quarterback health at a minimum, you know, for both, you know, Doug Brumfeld and Cameron Friel, you know, both of those and, guys. And have, <laughs> Justin Rogers is still there. Come on. That's true. Oh, and they, and they just brought in a guy from Tennessee, Harrison Bailey. That I, I think you're right there. I think because whoever they put out there was playing pretty well most majority of the time. They got well, generally better good. quarterback play overall than they had been for a while, <laughs> for like maybe a yeah. couple of years. But I think you know, obviously, you know, have being forced to move from one guy to the next because of injuries is not ideal for anybody involved. Yeah. And I think on defense, obviously losing Jacoby Winman hurts because mm-hmm. he was far and away their best overall defender. But, you know, that was a unit that played pretty well overall down the stretch. And, and maybe if it wasn't always easy to see that they improved overall and maybe, you know, combined a little bit of tentative play calling in, in crucial situations with some just, you know, good old fashioned bad luck in, in close games. And so I think you can feel optimistic about their chances of winning at least one or two games. That's, yeah. And I think you're right too. going quarterback luck, injury luck. And mm-hmm. any one of those guys, who knows how well they would have played, but there's times where they played pretty well. Like I remember going through, oh, this guy came in at halftime, played great. Next game, not going to play very well. Yeah. But they still, you're right. But they still had whoever came in for anybody who's played quarterback at some point played really good. I think they had spurts and, and stints of playing, moving the ball pretty well. Mm-hmm. And having one guy back there, obviously, is better than. Because it's hard. You got the new, you got the center, you got the offensive line. They don't know the cadence. The ball's thrown a little bit differently. It's just different when you have four quarterbacks. So finding one quarterback and a running back, I I don't know if they'll be a bull team yet, but they'll be closer. But 
I recall in my vote, I put Wyoming above them because I could I could make the case for Wyoming to be ahead of UNLV, in a, but it'd still be close. Mm-hmm. But Nevada, for me, I'd have them on like New Mexico, Hawaii range, 12, 11, 10, of that some sort of order. I just may, it could be to the Nevada vote. Um, when we did this, the staff was already changed, so it wouldn't have an issue with that. But I, okay, you want to hear a hot take? I could see Nevada being the worst team in the conference this year. Oof. Too harsh? Maybe. Maybe. Also, for record, Ken Wilson was the co-defensive coordinator in Oregon. I knew mm-hmm. he was some defensive coach. Maybe. Who's worse than Nevada? New Mexico? I mean, yeah, because both of those teams, like I said, both of those teams have a lot of rebuilding to do. Okay. No, I, that's true. But that, that's why I put them near the bottom. I think eight's too high. Mm-hmm. It. We'll see. Maybe they surprise us. And I like to see surprise teams because it's always funny where you guys hate this team. Like, well, we can't pick everybody first, guys. Somebody has to be at the bottom. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I there's just team I'm not going to be high on. If I'm looking right now, kind of this is not our bold prediction, just kind of looking what we have ahead. I could see San Jose State surprising. Um, I could see maybe CSU surprising if they get a quarterback. That's kind of the one area I think where they need to figure things out because they don't have, obviously, Tosin Taylor's gone. They had some transfers come in. So that's one area, but receivers they have transferring in Dante Wright on, 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 not staff, but on roster. I think they could be a surprise team, maybe a bowl team, maybe beat some team above them, like Air Force, maybe, you know what I mean? Something like that. Mm-hmm. I could possibly see them nipping somebody ahead they shouldn't have. But I do think this upcoming year, like you said last year, is going to be beyond interesting in what's going on because there's a lot of talent coming back and a lot of enough unknowns across the top five where. Like I said, we, we can make a case, and we probably will, where six of these teams, I could see probably five. San Jose State's just on the cusp for me, but any, any of those five teams, I can make a case in why they're going to win the Mountain Conference. Yeah, that sounds about right. Anything else that stands out for our early 2022 projections and whatnot? Nothing else that immediately comes to mind, no. Anything else we missed you need to talk about? Do we need to gloat about your Niners today? Is that okay? Do you want to do that? No, I, I think <laughs> – no, I think I'm good. You don't want to go. You said you're just glad they won again. <laughs> I'm just. I'm waiting until they get to the Super Bowl before I say anything. Do you trust Jimmy Garoppolo to win you a Super Bowl? No. <laughs> okay, I agree. Okay, sorry. I tried not to laugh. It's like he's uh He's all. It was hilarious because he beat my Cowboys. I'm like, oh, that sucks. He's like his interview after. We'll wrap up here. Interview after the game. Yeah, we won. Good job. But like, kind of being low key. Then he freaks out. Like, we're the. We own this town. Like, dude. Psh- Show me something at quarterback. Be a guy who could win. Like, he had some pretty good passes. But I also wonder, George Kittle, how good would he be if he had an actual quarterback throwing him the ball? He's already we'll, amazing, we'll, right? We'll find out once Trey Lance takes over someday. Okay, okay that's, that's a good point. So I just didn't know if you wanted to bring up that, but congratulations, your team moved on. And also Josh Allen, sorry you didn't win today, but you're a really good quarterback. Well, you know, Josh Allen doesn't play defense. So. It's not yet, right? <laughs> No, but that's a yeah, that, that's a tough way to go. But yeah, it's a, a lot of good amount of stuff. Lo- also, dude, Logan Wilson, holy crap, Bengals, whew, very good. Uh, I know what I should have done like two weeks ago, Matt. I thought about this forever. I should have said to somebody, our buddy Josh, who's been placing the bets for me, just put twenty bucks in the Bengals and win the ball. There you go. Just saying, man. They, I should have done it. Like they, well, we'll move on for reason why. But they, that's a they're a fun team to watch. It's pretty close. But that's it for today. MWR.com. We'll have a show next week. If you want to give us some topic ideas, because I may need to crowdsource that on Twitter, MWC Wire, 
we'll think about what we want to do next week. We have, I know we have a signing day coming up. We'll have the Hula Bowl, the Poly, Poly, Polynesian Bowl is this weekend, right? On Hawaii? Uh, yeah. So maybe we'll go over that type of stuff and we'll kind of think of a fun main topic to go over. But uh, we'll see you next time, MW, mwwire.com and subscribe and let people know that, hey, these guys are sort of okay and uh, give us a listen. <laughs>